Well, <clears throat> thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you all again for the opportunity to come before you uh, to bring forth the amazing truths contained within God's wonderful Word, particularly concerning our as peoples of this of these great British Isles, our heritage and our history. It was the truth of our identity on my first hearing of it through Pastor Bill McMurdo that brought me to true faith on our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, our amazing risen Messiah. Before that I was indeed a member of the Church of Scotland, a regular attender every weekend, sometimes two or three services per week. However, I didn't change or grow in faith. But looking back, I obviously had a thirst for God's Word and its truth, hence why I was attending so many services. But unfortunately, that thirst was not being quenched at the time. Although this is not to beat down the Scottish Church, I pray that the Scottish Church, the Church of Scotland, would return to its early days of power through the true preaching of God's Word, true preaching that transformed this country from the spiritual darkness of Babylonian Rome to the light of Christ's crown and covenant. There was no teaching of British Israel in those Church of Scotland services which I would suggest would have been known and taught throughout the history of the Church of Scotland, but not now. So to hear the truth of the British Israel message through Pastor Bill on that Monday evening in deepest, darkest Hamilton was mind-blowing. But it was also a truth I believed instantly. And it has changed my life as faith and new birth through the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to do. The other teaching expounded by Pastor McMurdo, which I have to admit at the start I found a wee bit more less believable, but just a wee bit, it probably took me about a week to believe it, was the belief that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II was not only a direct descendant of the biblical King David, but they that she sat on the very same throne, which has the very same importance and power built into it that King David's throne had approximately 3,000 years ago. For a start, having coming from the teaching of the Church of Scotland, it was made clear by a lot of their ministers that when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, that he took David's throne to heaven with him. However, when you look at the amount of verses within the Bible that say David's throne is an everlasting throne upon the face of the earth, then how could it have gone to heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ when he ascended? Essentially by this teaching, they are suggesting that the throne has disappeared. However, if we turn to God's word, this would suggest otherwise. If we look at 2 Samuel, verse 7, Second Samuel, verse 7, 
and we'll read chapters 12 to 17. 2 Samuel 7, 12, sorry, yeah, 12 to 17. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established for ever before thee. Thy throne shall be established for ever. According to all these words and according to all the vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. If we also look at Psalm 89, Psalm 89 is a great one for bringing forth the truth of David's throne. Psalm 89, and we'll look at quite a few verses in here. We'll start from verse 1 and we'll get to verse 4. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, Thy seed will I establish forever, and build up thy throne to all generations. Salah, the wee word there means think on this, ponder this. If we also stay in Psalm 89, and we'll go to verse 19. Psalm 89, verse 19. And we'll read to verse 37. Then thou speakest in vision to the Holy One, and saidest, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established, mine arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face, and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea, and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, 
and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. <coughs> Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as the faithful witness in heaven. Salah. Praise be to God. Just a few examples there among many that we could have read of how God raised up David and his throne through his seed to be established on the throne on the earth forever. So, if we go back to the earlier teaching that was being taught in the Church of Scotland, has David's throne disappeared from off the earth? And is God therefore a liar? Because he said he wouldn't be a liar. Well, let's find out. Once again, we'll turn to God's Word, and we shall go to the book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, sorry, 36. We go to Second Chronicles, 36. And we'll read from verse 10 to verse 20. Second Chronicles 26. A 36, sorry, verse 10 to 20. And when the year was expired, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the goodly vessels of the house of the Lord and made Zedekiah his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck, and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen, and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers said to them by his messengers, raising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, and despised his words, and misused his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose again against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, 
and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of the princes. All these he brought to Babylon and they burnt the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his son until the reign of the kings of Persia. So we also see that King Zedekiah, so everything was smashed, God's, the, the house of the Lord, the palaces, everything was burnt. We also see that King Zedekiah, who's mentioned here, was captured by the king of Babylon. The last thing he saw was his sons getting butchered before having his eyes plucked out. He remained in Babylon where he died. So, is that it? Had Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar smashed the throne of David? I think they wish they had it. He had the last king in chains and had killed his male heirs. So surely that was it finished. Well, no. But in the reading from 2 Chronicles 36, and I chose that one for this reason, it states the following in verse 12. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, his God, and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. So Jeremiah the prophet is there at the end of the Davidic line, so it would seem. But Jeremiah wrote, For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. So Jeremiah knew that even although it looked as if that was the end, that there will always be a man upon the house, on the throne of the house of Israel. Jeremiah knew the promises of God, that David's seat and throne was and is pivotal for the future success of God's kingdom upon the earth. So how do we achieve this? Turn with me, if you will, to Numbers 27, and we'll read verses 1 to 10. Numbers 27, verses 1 to 10. Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machia, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, and Hogla, and Milcah, and Tirzah. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest, and before the princes and all the congregation, by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, our father died in the wilderness, and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord 
in the company of Korah, but died in his own sin and had no sons. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family because he hath no son? Give unto us therefore a possession among the brethren of our father. And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad spake right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren. And thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son, then ye shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. And if he have no daughter, then ye shall give his inheritance unto his brethren. And if he have no brethren, then ye shall give his inheritance unto his father's brethren. We see there that there is a principle of transference of inheritance in Israel to brother, father's brother, and indeed to daughters. If necessary by this principle, Israel can have a queen as outright ruler if no male heir is forthcoming. Are any of these situations that we've just read in number 27 a possibility at the end of Zedekiah's reign? In Jeremiah 43 verse 6, the Bible records that the king had daughters. The Bible records the king had daughters. By the earlier shown principle of inheritance to daughters, we see that with no male heirs remaining, the throne of Zedekiah and of David would continue through Zedekiah's daughters. Unlike most kingdoms which wouldn't allow anything to happen without a male heir, that is not the case in the principles of Israel. They can continue through daughters. We also read that inheritance can go through brothers and fathers' brothers. In tribal ancestry, the ultimate father of Zedekiah is none other than Phares, the son of Judah by his daughter-in-law Tamar, as recorded in Genesis 38 verses 27 and 30. Did Phares have a brother? The answer is yes. The scarlet thread line of Zara. Did the kingly line of David's throne die out? No. The line simply transferred from one line of the scepter tribe to another through this principle of transferring inheritance through daughters, through brothers and fathers' brothers. Is God a liar? No. Now I know that probably everyone here knows all of this. But it is worth reminding ourselves sometimes that what we believe and what we are taught at these meetings is based on biblical facts 
and not myths and legends as some would postulate that we believe. In fact, those that teach that Jesus took the throne of uh, David to heaven with him are the ones who are dealing in myths and legends. The reason why we know this is through the man whose throne the Lord Jesus Christ has supposedly taken to heaven with him. Psalm 110. Psalm 110. Which is a psalm of David. David wrote the psalm. David writes, The Lord, capital the Lord, who is Yahweh, Jehovah, said unto my Lord, which isn't in capitals, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This is God showing David Jesus Christ. So Jesus doesn't need David's throne in heaven because David himself saw that Jesus Christ was already enthroned in heaven before his kingly line. So why does Jesus need to take a second throne to heaven with him when he's already enthroned there? David himself saw Jesus in heaven and knew that Jesus Christ is Lord. The throne of David is an earthly throne and it is still in the earth today. So the throne is still on the earth, but where is it? Well, we know where it is. But I would put it to you that there are teachings such as David's throne is in heaven, or I've even heard it said that David's throne is in Ethiopia. Ethiopia seems to be the poster child for all the nutters when it comes to biblical institutions. David's throne is in Ethiopia. The Ark of the Covenant is in Ethiopia. I would suggest that if all these institutions were in Ethiopia, then that nation would be so blessed that for the last 30 years we wouldn't have had to listen to that awful band-aid song trying to raise money for the people there. They would be sending us aid and not us sending them it. That's not to say that there probably isn't teachings and knowledge in the likes of Ethiopia that wouldn't be good to know, but it definitely means that there is no David's throne and there is no Ark of the Covenant and there is nothing like that in that nation. Because of one passage where Solomon meets the Queen of Sheba, and they don't even know if the Queen of Sheba came from Ethiopia, that's where all this comes from. And that's nothing against Ethiopia, I'm sure it's a lovely country. Sorry I digress there, but these kind of things annoy you because these things are taught to take away from the truth. The people that are telling you these things know what the truth is and they are trying directly to divert that truth 
away into other places so that people take their mind off what they really should be looking at and looking at other silly things, a bit like that ancient aliens program. Psalm 2 shows us that there is a conspiracy. Why we are getting taught things that aren't true by people who know what the truth is. We now have what's called conspiracy theories. But conspiracy theory is not a theory. It's a fact. There is a conspiracy. And let's have a wee look at it. Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords and cast away their cords from us. The people, the rulers of the earth, with who should be ruling the earth are breaking or are attempting to break the bands and the cords of who should be an authority. That is why they're teaching all these other things. They are against God and they are against his anointed. The good thing is, the next verse says, God has them in derision. God's laughing at them. There is only one person on the earth today that has been anointed in the same way as those who sat on David's throne by God and unto God to reign and rule on earth and as David's already alluded to over the next few days and over the next few months we will be celebrating her 70th anniversary upon that throne. As the monarch of this nation, on the 6th of February, I think, or the 7th, I can't quite remember, on the 6th, I've got down on the 6th of February, 1952, whilst visiting Kenya with her husband Philip, Princess Elizabeth, became Queen Elizabeth II after the death of her father, King George VI. Psalm 89, verse 20, we've already read it, but I'll just read it again. I have found David my servant, with my holy oil have I anointed him. We know because of the excellent teaching from Brother Ron a few months ago regarding the coronation ceremony, that Queen Elizabeth II was indeed anointed with the holy oil of God. Now, I'm sure we all know the story of Jeremiah and the king's daughters coming to the British Isles and marrying into the Irish royal family and then of the Zaraline, which then travelled over here to Scotland and ultimately became Scottish royalty. We don't really have time to get into all that, unfortunately. But suffice to say, that is the reason how we have the Davidic throne and line in our midst here. The Bible records 
that David's throne and those that sit on it are to be the ultimate authority on earth, higher than all other kings and rulers. But those that sit on the throne are to be a blessing to the people and to the nation. We do see this in biblical times with Solomon in part, with Josiah, with Hezekiah and of course with David himself and others. When the nations of Israel and then Judah prospered and were blessed because of these kings. But we see also the times when the kings on David's throne became drunk with power which brought chaos and judgment to those nations and it was because of the acts of King Solomon that Israel split into two nations and it was because of the debauchery of King Manasseh that brought down the whole nation of Judah itself and it was that reason that caused the captivity into Babylon. The power of the king and the monarch upon the throne we need good monarchs for the nation to be blessed. Bad monarchs, and the nation is anything but blessed. The Bible does say the captive exile hastens to be loosed. You can't be captive and exile, but in some instances you can be, and I'm sure that some of us feel captive and exile at the moment. God always judges his own first. That is why Judah was taken into captivity before Babylon was judged. We have seen in our own nation monarchs empowered by their own self-importance that they have caused chaos, wars and even civil wars because of their own self-righteousness. And we have had other monarchs who have been emboldened by the Holy Spirit that have seen not only our own nation prosper, but any other, many other nations also prosper. When you have a monarch sat upon David's throne who, when asked why her nation is so successful, as pointed out by David in his two excellent speeches just at the tail end of last year in the King James Bible, who then turns and points to the Open Bible, it is no wonder the UK oversaw and had influence over about a third of the earth at that point. Queen Victoria and other UK monarchs were not only anointed with holy oil, but were more importantly filled with the Holy Spirit. As the throne of David's power and influence has diminished, so too has the importance and blessing of the UK in the world. I would put it to you that those who have followed after good Queen Vic have not had the same close walk with God that she did. Yes, there is no doubt that the royal family has great influence in this nation, 
since Queen Victoria's passing. The rallying cry for a National Day of Prayer in May 1940 by King George VI brought this nation back, back from its knees against Nazi Germany. And we have had many glorious celebrations with our current wonderful monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. And we all mourned last year with her in the passing of Prince Philip. And when she also eventually is called home, it will be a devastating loss to this nation. But there is no doubt that the influence of the monarchy has waned in this nation since the heady days of empire. Despite any mistreatments or excesses that occurred during the time of empire, there is no doubt that the British Empire happened because of a monarch on David's throne opening her mind, heart and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ and as an example of the power of God coming to fruition through his chosen instrument of dominion on the earth. Nowadays we only hear of the things that were perceived as being wrong during empire but never of the great blessings particularly spiritual blessings that came to be during those times. The power of God is seen through David's throne. David's throne is to be the highest throne and authority on the earth, higher than all other kings and authorities. The hand of the monarch in David's throne is to be in the sea and the right hand is in the rivers. That is why we have the glorious right hand symbol as one of our nation's ensigns as Britannia rules the waves. The hand is in the seas and in the rivers. And it is a red right hand showing the covenant that God has made not only with Abraham but also with David, as shown in Psalm 89, I have made a covenant with my chosen. Like many nations, we have really rejected the sovereignty of God and his anointing and his anointed one, putting our trust in human elections. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth may be the head of state, but the real power, outwardly at least, lies with the Prime Minister and the politicians. Unfortunately, we have seen what they really think of us over the last two years. Whilst we all suffered because of their protocols and lost loved ones and etc., they were all, and I emphasise all, not just some, out partying and laughing at us behind our backs, or should I say, whilst we sat in the house. Like the good, we obedient people that we are, or they expect us to be. I wonder if any of these parties, any of these people saw a wee hand coming out of the ether, writing upon the wall, Many, many tackle you farcing, 
you have been weighed in the balances and you have been found wanting. I hope that a few of them saw that. We as a general population, and I mean everybody, not just us, but we as a general population, would rather have those people whom we have chosen than have the highest authority on earth on the throne of God whom God has chosen. We have reduced the throne of God in this nation to a tourist attraction. In biblical times, Israel rejected the Lord God Almighty, the God who kept them prosperous and safe whilst in Egypt in the land of Goshen, the God who removed them from bondage, the God who led them on dry land through both the Red Sea and the Jordan, the God who gave them both food and water whilst in the wilderness, and the God who brought them into the promised land. That God wasn't enough. Instead, they wanted a man to lead them. We must have a man. We must have a throne. God said, I am enthroned. It's not enough. So God instituted, eventually, uh, so that the people wanted a man on an earthly throne. Unfortunately, through these men in the throne, the nation of Israel was first fractured into two, as we have seen, and then taken away completely captive, largely to be lost. But the power of God and his mercy built into David's kingly line. Not only did a king on the throne reunite the peoples of Israel. Remember Jeremiah said God would never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel, not the house of Judah. This happened in 1603 when James VI became James I reunited the peoples it was the throne that reunited the peoples of Israel the house of Israel again became one at that point but from that throne all humanity will know who the ultimate authority really is God's deep desire and love for us, although we had rejected him, he did not reject us. God created that kingly throne on the earth so that through a man, God can still reign and rule. God rejected Saul, but chose David because unlike Saul, and despite David's human weaknesses, and this is what we forget, the kings and the queens and the monarchs are still human and they have weaknesses. But despite those weaknesses, <coughs> David had a heart that desired to live in the ways and teachings and love of the Lord God Almighty. And David also knew that Jesus Christ is Lord. Times of great blessings, prosperity and peace come 
when the one who sits upon David's throne opens his or her heart up to the Holy Spirit and allows Jesus to reign through him or her. We are told to pray for kings, as Bill has already said, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're not told to pray for presidents, prime ministers, first ministers. We are told to pray for all men and for kings, and then all who are in authority. This is to create peace. We don't pray for prime ministers to create peace. What we have is prime ministers going about saying we have peace in our time and then three or four weeks later we engage in a world war. We are told to pray for kings to have that peace. True peace will come when Jesus Christ, the man who is also God, the King of Kings, takes his place on the throne that was created for him by God. The Father God proclaiming to Israel, you can imagine God saying to Israel when they rejected him, you reject me as king in favour of a man. Do you know what? I will come to earth as a man. And the plan I have purposed for you as my chosen people will still come to pass when I, as a man, sit upon the throne that I have created. You will have your man on the throne, but that man will be me. I love how God does irony. Babylon thought that they had smashed the Davidic line. And yet through that line, and from that throne, Babylon shall be decimated and destroyed. I'm afraid time really precludes us from looking further. We could look at things such as the Stone of Destiny. We haven't even touched on that. I was going to look at the Scarlet Thread. An interesting story when the walls of Jericho fell. The only person or the only family that survived were the ones of the Scarlet Thread. And she, Rahab, is within the genealogy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Is that a wee hint as to where the King's throne actually ends up? Through the Scarlet Thread? That's just a wee thought. As I said, unfortunately, time is against us. We may have another chance to come back and revisit some of these things. But... As I said earlier, I think it's very important that although we probably knew quite a lot of that, that we remind ourselves of these things. Because if we don't remind ourselves, then we can get lost and be like the nutters who talk, tell you about Ethiopia. And that's the last thing we want. We want to remain blessed by God and we want David's line to thrive on the earth and be cleansed so that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and sits on it, it is worthy of him. So that was that, friends. I hope that has been some kind of blessing to you all.
Thank you very much.